Brother. Welcome to Health System CIO's Live at Vive interview with Greg Garcia, Executive Director for Cybersecurity with the Health Sector Coordinating Council. Greg, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Anthony. Glad to be with you. All right, very good. Big news uh, for you guys at the show is you're releasing your strategic plan. Um, why don't you just tell me briefly, because I know it's quite detailed about your entity, the, the, you know, the Health Sector Coordinating Council, quickly about that. And then the strategic plans, and what, what do you want um, the CISOs and other folks to know about it? You bet. Um, so the Sector Coordinating Council, um, the Cybersecurity Working Group, is an advisory council to the government and to ourselves in the industry, working together to identify and mitigate cybersecurity threats to the healthcare system. We've got about 425 organizational members, including government. Uh, from across the spectrum. We've got the health providers, the medical tech companies, pharmaceuticals, plans and payers, health IT. So we're looking at all of those cross-cutting cybersecurity issues that affect the, the sector and, 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 and in particular, um, patient safety. So the um, health industry cybersecurity strategic plan that uh, we release on February 27th um, is intended to, to first, let's look over the next five years and see what are the major healthcare industry trends, not cybersecurity, just what are the industry trends um, in technology and operations and regulation and business developments? And then what are the cybersecurity challenges that those trends present? And then what do we need to do as an industry to get better, to get well? It is a wellness plan for cybersecurity. And, uh, back in 2017, um, there was an HHS task force that diagnosed healthcare cybersecurity to be in critical condition. Uh, because of all the connectivity and all of the evolving threats, we want to get, we want to use this health industry cybersecurity strategic plan to get us to upgrade to stable condition by 2029. It is a five-year strategic plan. So um, that is what this is about. It is uh, scalable up and down uh, the size and uh, financial capabilities uh, in the health sector, and it applies to any and all of the major subsectors. All right, very good. Um, I was just in a session, uh, and one of the things that was was discussed um, was this idea of complexity around cybersecurity, the information available, the messaging, um, you know, the HPHCPGs are, have come out, uh, some of the, uh, the voluntary ones. This is an effort to simplify things and, and streamline everything and that's in one of the, the trends or goals that you put out is a goal number three to harmonize requirements. There's a huge need for clarity, right? So one is we want to bring everybody up to sort of a minimum level. That's one of the goals here. The other major goals is clarity, and those two kind of work together. Um, what are your thoughts around that? Uh, finding clarity from complexity. What are your thoughts around that? Very good question. And, and you know, this really applies a lot to the small, rural, underserved health systems who know they have a problem they just need a place to start. And there are, as you said, 
many different cybersecurity regulations and frameworks and toolkits. Where do we start? And and particularly for the smalls, it, it's got to be digestible. It can't be complex. Um, so one of our flagship products, our toolkits available to the sector, is a joint effort by HHS and the Sector Coordinating Council. It's called a hiccup, the Health Industry Cyber Practices. And volume one is for the small organizations, the small providers. Volume two is for the medium to large. And in that way, we can take the same set of the top 10 major controls that you need to have for a good cybersecurity program and scale it. It's easier for the smalls to keep it simple. And then the higher you get in terms of uh, maturity and sophistication, then we can drill down a little bit more and talk about how. So that is just one example of the, uh, the cybersecurity frameworks that's available free. Um, as the CISA uh, Deputy Director uh, Nitin Natarajan said, it's not free, it's prepaid because we've all paid our dues into this into the system. Um, uh, and it's freely available to the sector, and it's written by the sector. That's the important part. It's by the sector and for the sector by those chief information security officers and others in our membership who feel the pain. And they know uh, where the landmines are and how to navigate those landmines for those who are just getting started. So we talk about simplicity, finding simplicity and complexity. And, you know, I spoke to Eric Decker Right, so he was involved with the hiccup, the production hiccup, very deeply involved with that with you. He's been very deeply involved with you with the formula, formulation of the HPH CPGs, right? So, so when we talk about simplicity, you refer to hiccup. We know this HPH CPG thing is coming out. Those should work together. That's what Eric said. No surprises. These should all flow together. Their NIST is sort of fundamentally incorporated into these concepts. So the HPHCPGs, Hiccup is advisory. The HPHCPGs are voluntary, but are gonna probably eventually be mandatory. Do you see sort of Hiccup fusing with the HPHCPGs in a way? Because again, we're looking for this simplicity where I want sort of one document to go to. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, they, they are perfectly aligned. Um, NIST, applies to all critical infrastructures as a general matter. HHS took that and they took CISA's cyber performance goals and then said, okay, what are the most important cyber performance goals that health systems need to implement? Let's drill down to the most important, they called the top tier essential and the next tier enhanced. But if you put them side by side with Hiccup, they match up. But here's the difference. The CPGs, the Cyber Performance Goals, say what? Hiccup says how. So that's the main thing. If, the, if, if CPGs, if I'm, a, if I'm a, an IT person in a small rural hospital in Southern Kentucky, what do I have to do? Okay, CPGs, oh, okay, I'll do that. Well, how do I do that? Ah, hiccup. Okay, I'll use the hiccup. That's that's the um, that's the continuum. You start big, and then you drill down to the how. 
And hopefully from that, you will have a vision of what constitutes success. So you feel, you feel like we're moving in a good direction in terms of that simplicity and that one-stop shop and all this? Do you feel like the trend is going in the right direction? Yes, I think it is. And indeed, one of the major goals, um, goal number one, I believe, um, in the uh, cybersecurity strategic plan says we need to do more in that simplicity. And it has to be, cybersecurity has to be a habit. It has to be a habit from the users, like the clinicians, the people who are sitting in front of their computer and their IT systems. And it has to be a habit for the product security people from the the manufacturers of medical technology um, who know that we need to simplify this because uh, security by obscurity doesn't work. And 405D is part of this whole thing too, right? So that's not something on the outside. So what I think of is if we're moving towards simplicity, that's a good thing. If we think about it as a garden, and we, we, we're weeding the garden. The garden's a little weedy. So we're weeding it, and, and we're trying to have a clean garden. That's simplicity. Once we've weeded, doesn't mean we can sort of stop, right? We have to be careful of things popping up. It's a big federal government. Yep. So you don't want, once you achieve, once you're moving in the right direction, to find other entities popping up with stuff that may not be aligned. I don't know if that's something you're concerned about or think about or, or want to be vigilant for. Any thoughts around that? Um, well, well, you mentioned 405D. 405D is the vehicle that created Hiccup. Right. So 405D itself is, is simply a program by HHS. So that's not a, a separate entity. Right. I, I, think, I think what we have firmly established with the growth and energy behind this sector coordinating council is recognition from the government as provided in law that the sector coordinating council, and there are 16 sector coordinating councils for every critical sector, that we are the principal interface between the industry, the critical infrastructure owners and operators, and the government in a public-private partnership. So they pay attention to us, and we pay attention to them to coordinate. And then there's this whole constellation of, of healthcare industry trade associations, American Hospital Association, CHIME, uh, which is uh, co-hosting uh, co uh, this VIVE conference that you and I are at right now, um, AdvaMed for the medical technology. They are all industry interest groups advancing the interests and needs of their specific subsectors. Mm -hmm. And they keep us informed mm -hmm. as the sector council, but we are I do not think there is any other major industry group in healthcare that is cross-sector, that covers all of the interdependent and interconnected stakeholders in this complex ecosystem. Right, and, and the health ISAC is a, that's a very significant, influential, um, valuable, useful group that a lot of CISOs are a part of. And you're very closely aligned with them as well. Exactly. So when you think of critical infrastructure protection, um, as defined in law, there are two major functions. One of them is the tactical, operational, incident response, 24-7, you know, watch warning and incident response. Yeah. That's what the ISAC does. And there's, again, 17 ISACs or more for every critical sector. They're the firefighters. 
Um, and then the flip side of that coin is the strategic policy, longer term thinking, how do we get ahead of this threat? Mm -hmm. And that's what the Sector Coordinating Council does. So we are flip sides of the same critical infrastructure coin. Both organizations inform the other. Yeah. And it's it's mutual membership. You know, I feel really bad because I spent so much time with you talking about this stuff. And I know this stuff pretty well, but I'm and gonna it's still complicated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna defend myself and say, I'm sorry that we spend fifteen minutes going over this stuff, but I guess it's necessary, at least from my point of view. Um, one of the things Tressa Springman said in her session was, there's state level stuff. There's state level stuff that gets passed that comes along around privacy and data protection, which adds layers of complexity. Now that's outside of your control. So that's complexity that may be added to the universe of cyber that you sort of sit there and go, well, I can't do anything about that. They're gonna do whatever they want and whatever entities in that state's gonna have to deal with that. In addition, we're trying to move in the right direction from everything I can control, but what's out of my control is out of my control, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, it is a major patchwork quilt. And if you can sort of pan back and look at that patchwork quilt, I hope one day it's going to show a, a healthcare system that is healthy and not constantly under cyber attack, but you know, the Office of the National Cyber Director um, within the White House actually um, last year um, put out a request for comments to the industry um, with, with a whole set of questions based on really one driving principle is how can we eliminate complexity mm -hmm. in our regulatory environment? Mm -hmm. So it's an open question to you, health providers and med tech and pharma companies, what is getting in the way of your being more cyber secure? Are there regulations um, between state and federal that are actually working across purposes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or is there overlap? Is there conflict? Are you put in a position of having to decide which law you're going to break? Because you're going to break one of them uh, at the state level or the federal level. Right. So um, that was a, you know, I, I think probably at this point they are still digesting all of the comments that came in. And hopefully, you know, the, the national cyber director, we know the national cyber director doesn't have um, any declarative authority over state government regulations. But if we can just sort of keep the drumbeat going about we need to coordinate better here. We all have the same objective, mm -hmm. but if we have competing ways to reach that objective, we're not moving the ball forward. So uh, it's, this, is going to be a, this is going to be a challenge long after I leave the workforce. Listen, it's funny. <laughs> it's this pesky federal system, but I just happened to uh, listen to the audio version of the Federalist Papers uh, Alexander Hamilton and whatnot, and that's what he's talking about. Yeah, 1783. He's trying to convince everybody, hey, we need a federal government that's that's strong enough to hold this thing together. And the concern was the state governments didn't want to give up any of their power and authority, so it was that compromise. And we're talking about some of the effects of that. I'll have you know, <laughs> I keep the federal Federalist Papers on my bedside table. What? I think it is really one of the most beautifully written. Oh my God. Beautifully oh written God. understandings of, of the inspiration behind the Constitution of the United States and in this day and age when we are looking at threats to the Constitution, yes. I, I keep that nearby. 
Wow. Um, it's my security blanket. That's amazing. And, and um, so my takeaway from that was, yeah, I mean, these people were beyond brilliant. Their, their minds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, multifaceted. These are people that actually served and were leaders in the Constitutional, in the Army, and then wrote this stuff. Like, yeah. how can yeah. you be... It's amazing, right? So, but we, what you have there are, I don't know, 80-something articles um, that are there to explain and promote a proposal. Because this was to convince New York, mostly, to vote in favor of the Constitution. What an interesting approach that we don't think we do today, right? Things are proposed. People get bit, and my God, we're getting into a weird discussion, but people get, you hear people complain in Congress that I'm given a 3,000 page bill to vote on the night before I have to vote <laughs> on it. And this, in the other case, you have Hamilton and, and, and Madison and Jay writing 85 complex articles to convince before a vote. So what a change, right? What a better approach that was. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right then. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, our five-year cybersecurity strategic plan is our Federalist Papers for okay. healthcare cybersecurity. How's that? This is our Constitution, so let's you know let's pursue that grand experiment for the next five years and see how we can get, as you were calling for, Anthony, a level of simplicity instead of complexity. Well, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that that we're hearing about the cybersecurity issues. Um, we can delve into the actual, you know, more granular issues, but at a high level is definitely an issue of complexity and compliance and understanding what we have to do from a government point of view. When we go sort of into the next level of an individual health system, um, and I don't know if you want to touch on this, but one of the biggest issues we hear about is third-party risk management. Yeah. And talk about complexity, the complexity of managing hundreds of relationships. Again, and, and what's been pointed out to me in different interviews is that, let's say you do some sort of questionnaire investigation, even go beyond a questionnaire and do a real investigation, that's a point in time you've measured. Six months later, that point in time may no longer be a valid data point. It's extremely complicated and something folks are really having a hard trouble getting their arms around currently as we speak. Any thoughts around that? Yes, as we speak, currently everyone is dealing with a major third party um, uh, breach, uh, attack, cyber attack on the uh, change healthcare, um, which is a, which holds about, I think a third of the market for claims management, for uh, prescription management. And all of that has been uh, or a lot of it has been um, disrupted. And that is an existential threat to the healthcare system. And it's not even anything that, it's, it's very difficult for any of us, for any of the users of that third party um, to be able to control. And it's similar to the SolarWinds yeah. um, software patch release that with one click of a mouse, a corrupted software update went to thousands of customers and therefore infected those thousands of customers. Um, and, and, and so this is, this is one of the major goals in the, um, uh, in the cybersecurity strategic plan um, that basically technology being used in the clinical environment must be, uh, must be secure by design 
and secure by default, and that must be demanded by the customers, and it must be provided by the manufacturers and third-party service providers. It's a hard thing because it is a complex ecosystem, and you know, no manufacturer can create a one-size-fits-all security solution or a medical device that is secure in every clinical environment because the clinical environments are all architected a little bit differently. Um, so that leads us to another goal in the strategic plan, which is that we have to have a continuous dialogue, a partnership between the technology providers and the users about evolving requirements, evolving threats, and, and how do we navigate this? Again, Anthony, the, the, uh, the theme here that you have raised is simplicity. Mm -hmm. How do we make this more simple so that the onus is less laid on the shoulders of the technology users. Technology users are gonna to have to do their basic cybersecurity protections, but the more that they can concentrate on patient safety and patient care, mm -hmm. and less on security, we're gonna have a better healthcare system. Yeah, we, I don't know if, if it's just me, but we have this weird reaction to these breaches sometimes where if it's a health system, I usually feel bad for them and see them as a victim. If it's some sort of third party, I immediately assume like they did something wrong and that the poor health system is the victim. Um, sometimes you can do, that's not necessarily the case. It's very possible, and I don't know anything about the details of this, but it's very possible Change Healthcare did everything right. right. And they had super, they did, they, let's say, they, followed any kind of guideline, blueprint, best practice, and they got hit, um, that can happen, right? Yeah. So we have, to, we have to see, wait and see. Everybody deserves grace if they were doing the right thing, right? This is what we talk about with the, the CPGs and what I talked about with Eric, which is if you have done these things, you get regulatory understanding to a certain degree, and you should get some grace. Now, if you haven't, and you've been, it's the whole standard with negligence. That's right. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, did, did it just sort of happen despite your best efforts, or was there negligence? Negligence has greater culpability. Any thoughts around all that? Uh, that's exactly, you, you know, I think the, the analogy has always been um, uh, about um, the Office of National Coordinator and um, what was the term? There's something use. Um, Meaningful use? Meaningful use, yeah. thank you. Yeah. God, that's a, that was a <laughs> no. brain cramp. But meaningful use. Yeah. And people say don't use meaningful use because it hasn't, it hasn't lived up to its expectations. But, but the concept is the same. We, um, you know, we tell you these are the things you need to do. Um, either it's regulatory or it's voluntary. And maybe in some cases for some organizations you're going to get financial support. So we tell you what to do. We give you support to do it. And you do it. And you still get whacked. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going. We, you know, you're the victim. Right. But if we tell you what to do, and we help you, we fund help. You're you're doing it, but you don't do it. Right. And you get whacked. Right. There's a price to pay for that. Right. That is negligence. And and so I think, um, you know, everybody has to agree with that concept. Yeah. yeah. You know, because we yeah. are we we are. Uh, we are an interdependent ecosystem, right. and one buddy, one organization's mistake can trickle down to the next organization. 
whether you are a service provider, third party, um, uh, or you're a user. There are victims and um, there are negligent people. Yeah. So we, we just have to suss those out and, you know, maybe through this, this law that was passed a couple of years ago, Circia, which is the, uh, let's see if I can spell it out, cyber incident response mm-hmm. Uh, it's a reporting requirement to Department of Homeland Security, CISA. Every time you, whoever gets hit by a cyber attack, you need to report it to to the government. And hopefully they will, Nitin Natarajan talked about that today in the Vive conference, um, about uh, they, them collecting as much information as they can about attacks so that they can suss out what happened, how did it happen, what was the technique, and maybe be able to um, correlate, you know, patterns and, and see what's happening elsewhere uh, in other industry sectors or in other countries. And maybe that's going to better inform us um, about how to prepare against that. So we're not negligent. Mm-hmm. So as a final question, um, if we look at this as a super high level and try and kind of, kind of wrap up our thoughts around it, um, Hiccup is a really good resource for entities, um, it's going to jive with anything else that comes out. So if, if Hiccup is here, the CPGs um, have been issued, the voluntary ones. So those two should jive together, work on that, work towards that. If you feel you don't have the resources to do it, those may be forthcoming at some point. I kind of got into this with Eric a little bit about chicken or the egg thing. Like, if I lay out some money to work towards this stuff, am I going to get it back? Am I going to reimburse? Or do I need to wait? I don't know how that's going to work. So if you say I've got simplicity, but I don't have dollars, let's make that the final question. Let's say we have an entity that has the simplicity they need. They know the document they need. They know what they need to work towards, but they don't currently feel they have the resources to do it. What do you, what's your best uh, piece of advice to them? And then we'll, we'll wrap it on that. Well, I, ho- I hope what the government and with us will provide is basically a, a library yeah. of um, funding sources. Yeah. Um, we know that the Federal Communications Commission supports uh, for small hospitals, uh, communications and IT technology grants. Yeah. Um, HRSA, which is an office within HHS, um, they provide grants. We need to give them everything that is available to them, uh, to, the, to the health providers, and, and enable them to pick and choose as to how they're going to uh, fund their cybersecurity programs with those funds. When the government does decide to make CPGs, if they decide to make the CPGs required, um, part of a Part of a regulatory process um, requires that the uh, that the government do a, a um, impact analysis mm-hmm. and figure out well how much is this actually going to cost right and with that they will know how much money can the government actually raise to provide help to the to the industry. All right, Greg, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Great talk, and I really appreciate it. Good talking with you, Anthony.